This morning's gonna be a little different than is typical. Uh, at Door of Hope, we have a high value on expository sermons where we, where we open up the word of God and let its agenda set the agenda for the morning, typically working through passages verse by verse. And we're gonna do a little bit of that today, but it's gonna be a little bit different. Uh, today, we have kind of a family conversation to have. Um, about some big things that are happening in our community in, in, in birthing a new church community in the new year. And so we hope today will uh, help, help answer a lot of the big lingering questions that are kind of hanging out. Um, we hope that you walk away with clarity about what's happening, when it's happening, how you can be involved. Um, and we hope to also do it in a way that's biblically faithful. So that's the agenda. Um, well, I want to mention this uh, to start, maybe tee this up in the most dramatic way possible, but I want to say that myself, my wife Susanna, um, our kids, and based on what I'm hearing already, a, a sizable number of people in, in this room right now, this morning, are leaving this church. We're going. <laughs> Um, let me back up. Uh, six and a half years ago, Susanna and I, we didn't have kids yet, we moved to uh, Portland from Northwest Arkansas, uh, leaving behind family and friends, uh, leaving behind jobs. We had no jobs when we moved here, had no community. It was us, a little apartment on 24th and Gleason in Northeast, uh, and two wiener dogs. All we had to our name. And... Uh, <laughs> Penny and Beezy, they're, they're magical. Um, and so six and a half years ago, we moved to this apartment, 24th and Gleason, and we began to explore the city. And I, I, I can't, I don't know if I can pinpoint the exact moment that, that Portland felt like home or that we realized like, oh, we, we belong here. Oh, like we, we love this city. It, it may have been that particular moment, probably all of us have experienced at one time or another, where you're out, you know, maybe, maybe drinking a coffee outside and you, you catch a little whiff. Oh, what's that? That's interesting. I wonder what that is. And then you see the naked bike ride come right across. I, this is where I want to be. No, it wasn't that moment. Uh, truth be told, Suzanne and I have repeated this to lots of people, maybe to some of you here. Um, it, it was legitimately through the community at Door of Hope, early on, months into our time in Portland, even before we were committed to this church, uh, that we began to feel like we were home here. Uh, we, we, Suzanne and I grew up in the same church. We actually met in high school. We went to neighboring towns, neighboring high schools, but we were in the same youth group. So we were friends all through high school and through college before we started dating. But that same church that we grew up in, I ended up coming on staff at as a youth pastor there, um, worked there up until the time we moved here. Um, and I lost my train of thought. Um, so yeah, we moved here and growing up in a tight-knit church community like that, it was, it was, we felt, the oh, here's where I was going, we felt the real need we felt a real sense of urgency to take our time and be really deliberate in choosing a new church home. So we kind of committed to ourselves. We moved in June, we said we wanna take at least four months 
to visit churches. We can repeat, go back to, to ones multiple times, and we did, but the, the agenda was to try as many churches as we'd heard were healthy and good and, and doing faithful ministry in Portland and visit. We visited small groups at a few. We pestered a few pastors. We kind of put people through the ringer a little bit. Um, and even before we had made the decision to, to commit to Door of Hope and go to Discover Door of Hope and all those things, join a community group here, we remember like having, having relationship, real relationship form with some of you. And I, okay, there's Sam and Krista right there. Krista, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is the first person that my wife met in Portland. Uh, they, she reached out through a weird Facebook connection and Sam and Krista became some of our very first friends and they still are some of our very best and dearest friends. And it was through people like them, people like some of the rest of you, that we began to feel like, whoa, we have people here. Like we have people we can turn to when tragedy strikes or when difficulty sets in or when our faith is struggling. And so Door of Hope, you, you all in this community have been instrumental in us feeling like we belong here in Portland. We've been pursued by this community, encouraged by this community, prayed for by this community, cried with by this community. And we're deeply grateful for it. But it's not just that. It's also through Door of Hope that, that and Door of Hope's specific commitment to the city of Portland and vision for ministry in the city of Portland that we, we grew to understand Portland not just as this beautiful, weird, interesting, exciting uh, city to come and live in, but as a strategic mission field in which to pursue obedience to Jesus and the call to, to faithfully go and make disciples through evangelism and through being a part of building up the body of Christ here in the city. And not only that, it was through Door of Hope's commitment to, to the pillar of simplicity and doing church simply, to model simple church that knows how to keep the main things of the gospel front and center and how to keep the main things of doing life together the main things of our church life as well. We were shaped by that, deeply. And I've done three pillars, why not do the fourth? It's also extremely, it's been extremely formative for us to be shaped by the cross-centered theology here that foregrounds the good news of Jesus at every opportunity, that, that everything we do is committed to, to the reality that Jesus has died in our place. He's reconciled us to God the Father and that everything we do involves an invitation to come, to see, to believe, and to follow after Jesus. A church that majors on the majors, it lets the major themes of the scriptures be front and center. It minors on the minors, it doesn't ignore the minors, but it lets them be the minors. And in process speaks the whole orthodox biblical truth to me and to my children downstairs right now and to my friends and to strangers, to people that don't know Jesus yet. So with all this, what I, what I first wanna impress upon you is like, as someone, as someone who's been around the church, not just in a staff member capacity, but just as, as a part of this body, I just wanna say, friends, we're really blessed here. We really are. Um, I know it's easy for, a, for the honeymoon phase to end with churches and, and there's, it's easy for a new church to be exciting and then for you know, the warts to start to set in and that's a reality we all have to deal with. But 
wherever you're at in that process or being reinvigorated or whatever, I just wanna, I just wanna say I really believe we are blessed here with really amazing leaders who love God, who love Jesus, who know Jesus. From our elders to our staff to our community group leaders, everybody in between, this is, this is a rare and unique kind of church community, I, I really do believe. So you know what all this means? It means leaving is really hard. Really hard. And by door of hope, uh, committing on a course to start planting churches, to multiplying itself, to reproducing around the city, we just, I think we need to acknowledge that we've actually all committed ourselves, you're part of this too now, to some amount of pain. And I mean that, whether you're, whether you're planning to come with us to Northeast or whether you're planning to stay here, none of us are gonna be unscathed by, by that pain. Those of us who leave, are, are, many of us are leaving like the greatest church experience we've ever had, the healthiest and people that we're deeply, like we deeply, deeply love and care for. And those of you that are staying here are gonna look to your left and look to your right one day and be like, man, that person that I've been like through thick and thin with is now off doing something else for the kingdom. There's a degree of pain for all of us in this. So that begs the question, why leave? (laughs) Like, why don't we just avoid all that? Sounds a little bit better. And the reality is anytime you find yourself considering leaving something you love, something that's healthy and good, you won't do it unless you have a vision for something even greater than that pain that's gonna be part of it. It it reminds me of like pregnancy. Um, Childbirth. You get into having a baby and you know you're setting yourself up for sleeplessness and physical pain and emotional distress and fear and anxiety and all kinds of unknowns and all kinds of ways to be stretched beyond yourself. But you do it, you do it in the firm and secure knowledge that that what's at the end of that road is more beautiful than the pain it takes to get there. So, as we've been thinking about, my my wife and I and some of the people, some of you that we've been processing all of this with, there's just a few things, I don't wanna spend a lot of time on these, but there's a few things that have resonated with me as I've tried to answer that why do this question. So number one is that our city needs the gospel. All cities need the gospel. That's not to the exclusion of other cities, but our city of Portland needs the gospel. Whether it's post-Christian, some say it's pre-Christian, like never properly evangelized. Whatever it is, Portland uh, is, is woefully underrepresented with the gospel. And so, the more communities that there are, 
committed to proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news, inviting people into it, modeling as a healthy church community what it looks like when a people get transformed by the grace of Christ, the better off our city is. And as the gospel bears fruit, it multiplies. I mean, John 12, 32, Jesus said, Josh quotes this all the time, when I am lifted up, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself, says Jesus. It's a promise. You lift Jesus up, he will draw people to himself. And as this has happened, as God has been faithful to not just do that in the abstract, which he promises to do, but he's done something very special, which is he's actually done it here in our particular community, at this particular place. Our space is filled up. Um, I was just talking to a few folks earlier who had children turned away this morning, which is okay. But we're already realizing, like, I mean, Josh talks about this a lot, the, re- the reality of, like, real estate in Portland. We, we just, this, this building, as big and as beautiful and as, as nice as it is, it can't house all the people that we want to see come to faith and get involved in real meaningful community around Jesus. In fact, these morning services are already beginning to feel like we're kind of pushing at the limits of what can go on here. So a second reason is that church planting frees up space and secondarily reignites our evangelistic fire here at Southeast. So if 100 or so people go and you start looking around and feeling like, oh man, this place is a little bit empty, that is a call to you to start witnessing, to start inviting new people to come here, to fill those seats, to fill those seats and to come and see that the Lord is good. A third reason, church planning follows the apostles' example in the biblical mandate. If you read the book of Acts, there's a really cool little narrative thread where Paul, he would go, the apostle Paul would evangelize a new city, he'd see people come to faith, he'd spend some time with them, encourage them, he might leave, and then he almost always would return back to those cities and it would say, and then he appointed elders in each town, which implies a church and a formalized structure where people can come and be a part of a church community and do church together. Church is the place where Christians, once they're saved, are to belong and to grow and to do life together. And so church planning follows the apostolic example. Fourth reason, church planting is still statistically the best strategy for reaching non-believers with the gospel. And I can't get in, I'm not even sure I understand why that is always, but statistically we know the churches in their first 10 years of life receive the majority of their growth from new people, new converts or unchurched people coming to commit themselves. And there's just, for whatever reason, something happens typically after that 10 year mark where that just becomes less and less reality. And so if we wanna be effective at reaching our city, We need to be effective at planning new churches. And the fifth reason, just, and we could, there's many more, many good reasons we could add to this list. I'll just do one more. And it's just for me personally, one of my biggest dreams for Door of Hope since we started attending about six years ago has been to see it become a multiplying, planting church that spreads the things that Jesus has uniquely built into this community across this city that we love. That vision has been in place since we started attending. I think that's 
big reason why we were here and why we committed ourselves. And I can't tell you how exciting it is to just me personally to see us just on the cusp of finally taking like a monumental step in that direction in a really focused way. So I've had the slide up behind me long enough. We've talked about it before. Hopefully it's not a surprise to many of you, but for all these reasons and more, we're planning a church. We're planning a church in Northeast Portland that'll be called Door of Hope Northeast. Um, we're gonna talk more about how that's gonna work, nuts and bolts. There's time for that this morning. Um, but I wanna answer one other question. A question sometimes, a, qu- a common question that we get asked and that people even in our community group this last week were asking is just, so what's the story? Like how did you guys, how did you and your family end up here? So I just wanna give you that, I'll give you that story quickly. Um, as I mentioned, Suzanne and I grew up in a church in, in Northwest Arkansas, super healthy in so many ways. And one of the things that was just at the core heart of what they did um, was just a real emphasis on, I mean, their mission statement was to produce and to release leaders. So just this whole idea that we're gonna train people up in the gospel, build them up into maturity, help them discover their spiritual gifts, and then we wanna see them go out to impact their community their, their city, and the world. Um, and so that was, that was bred into us as, as children, quite honestly. That's been a high value for us. And I remember when I was freshly on staff there at that church, there, there was a common, I was one of the youth pastors, and several of us, like early 20-somethings, we were always talking about church planning. It was just kind of in the air. And we were just always, all right, so where, where should, you know, if we were gonna plan a church, where would it be, what would it look like? And there were moments where the conversation started to get really serious and we were like, oh, maybe we should do this, maybe we should do this. And at some point, I realized, I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, like, not for valuing church planning, but for thinking that I was anywhere near mature enough or wise enough or leaning into Christ enough to attempt something like that. And, and I think at a certain point, I, like there, I reached a tipping point where Suzanne and I were both like, yeah, this is fun to dream about. It's good for us to talk about. It's inspiring to talk about. But if we tried to lead a church plant, we would lead a lot of people off a cliff, I'm sure. Um, and so we kind of put that conversation back on the shelf and, uh, and didn't return to it for a while. It kind of, around that same time was whenever I started feeling the need to kind of pursue some more theological education. So I started at Western Seminary online uh, from Arkansas. Um, wanted to get more ministry experience, wanted to just become an adult a little bit first. Um, and so we just kind of set that down and didn't think about it much. Um, but something happened uh, when, we, when, when I came on staff at Door of Hope about four years ago, there was a uh, if, you, if some of you are around to remember, we, we attempted something. It was, it was, it was kind of like a multi, multi-site-ish model. We were calling it the parish model, where we started services at a, a southeast location, at an Episcopal church for evening services. So Door of Hope kind of multiplied out into two locations, and at some point we realized, like, this is, the way we've chosen to do this is, is burning essentially everyone out, from the staff to the volunteers, and we had to close it. And so the merging of the Northeast and the Southeast communities back to Revolution Hall 
uh, start of that era that we've just kind of uh, got out of uh, back in April. But as we were closing down the Southeast, moving to Revolution Hall, I just remember clearly Josh, I mean, as Josh was casting vision and, and explaining the rationale behind all this, one of the things he firmly stuck to was this commitment. Like, we're not done seeing ourselves get multiplied around the city. We're not, we're not done extending effort to see new communities of faith get birthed around Portland. And I think from that point forward, I, it was like it, something clicked in me. And as Conversations would return, you know, it, it, there wasn't high urgency after we had just closed the Southeast, but the conversation would get picked up, and I just discovered myself having a lot of interest, a lot of passion, started feeling like some conviction solidifying, just as a member of this church, like, man, if, but if we did it, if we did it again, what if it was like this? And so over the course of, of a year or so, I just remember feeling those things and starting to kind of pester the elders with overlong emails with my thoughts and, uh, and those kinds of things. And at some point, it just, it just became clear. I remember Susanna and I having kind of a tearful conversation in our basement two years ago, November 20, what was that, 2017? Um, where we were just talking about all these things and I think she said to me, like, do you think you think we're supposed to plant a church? I was like, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe. And just saying maybe felt like it unlocked something for us. And so a couple months, or no, a couple weeks later, I remember sitting down with Russ. Hey, Russ, Russ is back there. And said, Russ, I don't know if this was, I think I said this, I don't know if this is a bad burrito or the Holy Spirit. I have, very, I have comically poor discernment. Uh, but we've been talking about church planting, so I just want to start that conversation. I don't know where this is going to go, but want you guys to be able to speak into it. Then I had that conversation with Josh, and, uh, and yeah, from there, it was kind of this push and pull, and I think, I think the Holy Spirit has been very active. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, I can be a chronic over-planner, and I, I can be real hesitant to do big things until I feel like I have a fully formed plan, which is not a source of frustration between me and Josh, ever. Um, and uh, it's been very interesting the way that this thing has kind of gradually kind of pulled me and Susanna out of sort of our kind of protective instinct and like, let's not move until there's a plan. We've been sort of drawn out of the shell a little bit, step by step. And... Uh, just getting more and more excited about what it could look like for Door of Hope to, to try this multiplication, multiplication again, this time with a, with a real commitment to, to church planting. And uh, it was this last February that Josh and Darcy took me and Susanna out to lunch and there was this conversation where, you know, they had been prodding us along. They sent us to a church planner's assessment to see what they thought of us and all these little, little steps. And Josh said like, all right, <laughs> We've been dancing around this thing for like a year and a half now. Are you guys in? And we said yes. We said yes. Uh, so we had a family meeting back in February. We announced all this for the first time, and we've just been kind of slowly doling information out since. Uh, but since saying that yes, there's been a lot of fear, a lot of insecurity. I think more deeply than that, though, a lot of excitement and passion and like just a sense of blessing and gratitude welling up. 
And so, um, it's a little bit of our story. I, w- I want to talk briefly. Let's, let's open the Bible, shall we? <laughs> Turn to Ephesians 4 if you have a Bible. We'll, we'll, we don't have a ton of time here, but let's look at this. Ephesians 4, chapter 11. I think if that's the story, I think the next logical question is like, what are some of our hopes? What are some of our hopes for this community? And as I've said, I mean, and we'll get into these details more, like we, we sincerely want to reproduce the things that we've fallen in love with, this, love with at this church at Door of Hope Southeast. But as I think about in particular, what are, what are some of our hopes that are really motivating and inspiring this movement forward into Northeast. This, there's just this passage that has kind of been on, on my heart, uh, on our family's heart, some of the people that we've been processing with this with, with their hearts. And so I just want to read this. Um, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Paul has just started this amazing stretch in chapter 4 where he's talking about the unity we have in Christ, the deep oneness that comes like, the, 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 there's no deeper commit connection point that, that a group of people can have than a common understanding that they are known by God, saved by God, welcomed into the family of God by virtue of what Jesus has done. So he's talking about unity. And then in verse 7, he switches, and then he says, but within that unity, I want you to know there's a diversity too, and that's what church is. It's this great, profound unity made up of all these diverse parts. At least that's church at its best. And then he says this in verse 11, still on that theme. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We could speak for hours and hours and hours about this text, but real briefly, I want to see just three principles that I've just realized have become kind of guiding lights for ministry for me and are deeply rooted in my heart for Northeast, the Northeast Church. So first of all, I think verse 11, you can highlight it with the next slide, I think highlights this idea of a plurality of leadership. The context here is that Christ has given gifts, like spiritual gifts. This is a parallel passage to 1 Corinthians 12. But what's interesting is that these gifts, he just talks about the people who are exercising these gifts. So the, the leaders exercising their gifts, he's saying, like kind of become the gifts to the church. And I don't believe he means that these five spiritual gifts are the only ones that serve this function because there's a very similar passage in Corinthians that It's like half those and a whole bunch of other ones. And the point is this. There is a group of leaders that recognize the diversity of gifts that they have. They recognize they can't shepherd people in the same ways. Um, 
that when they lean into one another's strengths to complement one another's weaknesses, like something really beautiful and powerful happens. And this verse just reminds us that, yeah, leadership comes shared and in teams. And what that, that doesn't mean that there aren't distinct roles. That doesn't mean there aren't distinct responsibilities. It doesn't mean that you and I are going to be called to the same position and have to make the same decisions or whatever else. But it does mean fundamentally that ideally leadership becomes this growing and expanding community of folks. So that idea bleeds into the second, which is uh, this idea of a real emphasis on just discipleship and leadership development. I mean, look, look what this says here. It says, the, the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, these leaders, this is pretty counter-churchy counter when you really look at this text. It, it does not say that these folks do the ministry. You see that? The, 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 mini, it's, the ministers don't do the ministry. It's saying that the leaders, they exist. Christ has placed them in the churches to equip the saints, to equip the church for the work of ministry. They're there to build up the body of Christ. And I mean, just look at this lofty language. Till we attain the, the knowledge of God to mature manhood, the measure, this verse kills me, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're after. A community of people growing up into the fullness of what Christ has for them. They're not gonna look like uniform copies of one another, but whoever you are unique, uniquely made to be sanctified into the fullness of what Christ has for you, which is to look more and more and more like him. That's the task. And so, a commitment to helping people grow. I mean, the, the great commission Jesus left us with is to go and make disciples. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That implies evangelism, new conversion, new people coming into the faith, new people being baptized. And then he says, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, which is big. That's big. And I think this, this verse here is illustrating that, to, to grow into obedience of the whole word of Christ. To grow new leaders. To see everyone grow into the fullness of what Christ has for them. And then a third thing I, I see here is just deep, meaningful community. It says, from the whole body, Christ there to grow in every way into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working properly, that's what makes the body grow. Christ makes the body grow when every person is finding their slot to play and their role to fill in mutual building up of the church. That's how the church gets built up in love. And so I, I see all three of these ideas as mutually kind of reinforcing one another I think if we're going to be the kind of church here at Southeast and we're going to be the kind of church there at Northeast that, that really does have its eye on regularly raising up and sending out new people, these things are going to have to be at the core of who we are. And I'm excited about trying. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Let's just talk about it for a while. I don't know how to do that. But hopefully all of us together, we're going to figure out how to do that. And we're going to see the gospel multiply in dramatic ways around our city. 
So here's another question. What is this going to look like practically? Practically. Because we've talked, we've talked about the church some, but I, I think it's time to give a little bit more clarity. And there are still plenty of details the elders have to nail down. This is very much a work in progress, but I think we're on safe ground to, to lay out these points. So you may have heard this reference before, but this phrase is really important. We are starting what we're going to term a door of hope family of churches. Door of Hope Family of Churches. You'll start hearing that language more. And I want to break, break two words down that kind of bring clarity to this. First is the word church. So church, let's go next slide. The, words, the word church or churches means that what we're talking about here is not a second campus. It's not a video venue. It's not overflow seating. It's a church, and, and, and by church we mean these are distinct, committed communities. So while we, there will be a family relationship between what's going on here at Southeast and what's going on there at Northeast, we, we, we won't be using the language of, oh yeah, this is just one church. We want these to become committed communities where the people understand as they look around that room, like this is my church family first and foremost. Committed, distinct communities. Secondarily, Flowing from that idea, we've come to the conviction it's really important that if it's a church, that it has distinct elders, distinct staff, it's going to have distinct preaching, uh, and, and really all the, the people touching ministries, its own children's ministry, their own community groups, their own eventually men's and women's stuff going on, um, own outreach opportunities, like you name it, like uh, we want each of these churches to become uniquely reflecting the people and the community that's there, uniquely contextualized to do ministry in the neighborhood and area of town that it finds itself in. And we think all these things are radically important for, for that to be done well. So when we say family of churches, we really do mean churches. Okay. So what do we mean by family, though? Well, here's, here's some, some of what that means. Number one, we're committed to the same overarching mission and pillars. Um, Door of Hope Northeast, as will continue to be Door of Hope Southeast, we're all going to be committed to the cross, to community, to simplicity, and to the city. We will make sure that those things influence every single thing that we do. Um, the two churches will, will be making a commitment to share core doctrine together. So one of the things I love about Door of Hope is that it's a church, again, that majors on the majors. It holds tenaciously to the, the, the big holistic picture of orthodox historic Christianity, but it doesn't tend to get lost in the weeds around second and third level issues. And that's the spirit, not just the spirit, but that's the doctrinal commitment that we'll be making at Northeast and that Southeast will be continuing to make. Um, many of the same core practices, so we're going to be a church. We're going to do evangelism. We're going to pray. We're going to do expository preaching. We're going to worship together. We're going to have community groups. Uh, we're going to do all the core things that we believe make a biblical, healthy church. Um, shared resources. There's going to be, uh, like, one of the biggest blessings, the way we're doing this for us, is that 
Um, Russ will likely be moving into a role where he's serving the Southeast Church, but he's also taking care, we're, pay, we're helping pay him to care for like our finances, kind of keep things in order for us over at Northeast. So that's awesome. We just get to use and abuse Russ. <laughs> um, but all, kind, all kinds of things like this that are, are typically some of the most stressful and strenuous things for new church plants to figure out uh, are, gonna be, are gonna be worked into uh, and built in and, and, and easily accessible to us over at Northeast, which is a monumental blessing. And then some form of mutual accountability. Now that there's two Door of Hope churches, this becomes an accountability network where there's all of a sudden a new set of eyes on one another where we can make sure that we're keeping each other tethered to the gospel and tethered to faithful biblical ministry. And we view that as a really healthy thing for all of us. And that will only grow as, God willing, down the road, more churches get added to the family. And so the, the bottom line I want to say for all this, as a potential church planter, is that this is a dream scenario. Uh, when, when Susanna and I went to that church planter's assessment last November, and we started, I mean, some of these ideas were even more nebulous at that point, but as we started to say, yeah, this is kind of what it's looking like is gonna happen. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many people just responded with utter disbelief that a lead pastor, that a team of elders, even a team of staff and volunteer overseers would be up for something like this. As we said, yeah, like they're, they're saying they wanna like actively encourage anyone who is willing to consider it to go with us. People are just looking at us like, yeah, that doesn't happen. No one's that loose-handed with their people. No one's that loose-handed with their tithe givers. So, People are wowed by that. I think over time, I'm, I'm a little ignorant to know how wowed to be, but as the reality has set in, I think one of the things that, that has just become real evident is just I'm deeply, deeply grateful for this vision, for the training I've received at Door of Hope, the experience, the opportunity to do something like this, the vision that's been laid before us, and the generosity that's inherent in what, what we're trying to do. Like, uh, for those of you that have no interest in coming to Northeast, I just want you to know, I want you to hear from me. You are part, your, your church leaders here are deeply generous to the point of sacrifice to see the gospel spread in our city. They really are. They really are. Okay, we're almost out of time. One more question, so what now? What now? Well, number one, come with us to Northeast. <laughs> all of you. No, not all of you. Some of you, come with us. Uh, if you live in the Northeast neighborhood, you feel a heart for that neighborhood. If, if you're just particularly excited about something new and being part of something that's gonna be a little bit messier and a little bit from the ground up, come on. Uh, if you're just connected with our family or with one of the other families that's planning to come or individuals that are planning to come and be a part of Northeast, those are all good reasons to pray and think through coming with us. 
Um, so we ask you to prayerfully consider it. Some of you have. Some of you have been reaching out. Um, but I want to get real specific here. So as people start to think, maybe I want to be a part of this, here's some ways to get involved. First, for the rest of the year, we're going to do twice a month Sunday afternoon prayer meetings. So put the dates down, barring, barring something extremely weird, this is what's happening. 4 p.m. over at the Fremont building, we're just going to spend time praying together, discussing together, uh, hopefully spend time after that going out to eat together and forming relationship and, and letting the people that are there begin to know one another in this way. Uh, first one, next week, next afternoon. Come be with us. Um, after that, January and February, we expect things are going to ramp up into more consistency, potentially every week. Uh, more details will get rolled out on that as we get closer to. Um, but January, February will be a more consistent, regular time of meeting together, identifying what our needs are, identifying where people can serve, what we need to do to get ready for number three, March 1st, start worship services. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. We've already got community groups meeting around town. There's community forming. We're going to be praying, and then we're going to pull all these people together and all these pieces together to just worship the Lord together, celebrate what he's already been doing in this Northeast community. Northeast Fremont Building, 10 a.m., March 1st. Let's do it. Sound good? All right. Well, that's the plan. So back to what now. Number two, if you're thinking about this, email me. Email me. I've got a master spreadsheet going. It's like the matrix in there. I'm like crunching numbers and slamming names around. It's really not how the matrix worked, but. it's <laughs> about all I got. Um, but in all sincerity, if, if, if you are considering this, we, it would be super helpful to know, and, and, and not only to know on our end, but starting this week, we'll start sending out regu regular email communication to remind you of what's going on, express needs, talk about when these you know, prayer meetings are happening. That'll be our main channel of communication. So uh, if you haven't emailed me, odds are I don't know who you are or what is going on. So that's helpful. In fact, right now, you have my permission. Pull out that cell phone. Pull up that email app. Type in that email address. Hit send. Don't even have to type a message. Just send a blank one. I'll know what it means. Third, uh, just pray. Pray for our family. This is a stressful time for us. Pray for the people that are considering going. For all of us, it's an exciting time, but it's also, like, it's heavy for all the reasons I've been discussing. This is heavy for everyone. Pray for Southeast. Pray for, for this community as you, as you guys mourn, sending a people out that, that you'd step in to fill those gaps. Pray for new people to come and fill those seats that are left behind. We've just got to shower this thing in prayer. Now's the time. And then finally, I would just say, commit yourself, if you're staying here, commit yourself more deeply and more passionately than you ever have before to what's happening here at Door of Hope Southeast. The reality is there are going to be leaders and volunteers that are leaving, and you're going to be needed to step in, even now, 
Even now, before it's happened, the earlier the better to serve in, jump in with kids, jump in with welcome team, jump in with coffee team. Consider opening up your home for a community group. Consider doing all these things. This is, this is a call not only for us who are going, but, but to double down, to commit ourselves, to make this the kind of community that will be a welcoming and beautiful testimony to the world here in Southeast Portland that Jesus is real and that it's good news for them. So that's the call. Amen? Let's pray.